I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And we're going to be joined by one of now a whole host of Englishmen playing his trade in the top 14, Perpignan's Ali Crossdale shortly. And there may well be more to come and more and more and more. We'll come to that later on, Johnny, with the rumours. But how are you doing? I've lost track of where you've been this weekend, but was it good? It was good, mate. It was a really good mix as well. And it was the end of the, the cold weather. So currently it's 20 degrees. I've just had my lunch outside, which I know you'll Love to hear, as I see you spitting on me from across the Zoom call. Um, it, it's nice. The weather's just changed. So all of a sudden, the cold snap is gone. So to end the weekend, we had mates around for lunch on Saturday. Then we were out at friends again on the Saturday night. We had a raclette. Is raclette, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like Swiss, French, melted cheese, all over potato, charcuterie, veg, and loads of red wine. Uh, that's optional with the raclette. But that was awesome. And then Sunday, I was in Toulouse for their game with TNT. So mate, it was a nice mix, good weekend. And I think that's hopefully the end of the shitty cold weather in the winter and we might be sneaking into spring. So how it works in France? <laughs> it's only mid-January and we're already in the spring, are we? Mate, it's been, I don't know, overnight here the past two weeks it's been down. I don't know what it's been like back in the UK or everywhere else, but... Shit. Okay, so down here <laughs> it's been, it's been cold. It hasn't been shit. It's been, you know, down to sort of minus four, minus five and then pretty chilly throughout the day. But then all of a sudden, there's just sort of shift in temperature. It's meant to be 16 to 20 for the next week, 10 days. So hopefully, that's the end of the shitty stuff and back to the nice old days of good weather. And for those that don't know what a raclette is, it's basically just stuff with cheese on it, yeah? Well, no, what happens is you boil a massive bowl of spuds. So you do your potatoes. <laughs> then the raclette is like a hot plate that you sit in the middle of the table and there's lots of little trays that you can put under this hot plate. So on top of the hot plate, you can do your meats, your bacon, your different stuff your veg if you want to do like peppers and stuff peppers rubbish and then underneath is where you put your little trays in where you've got your potatoes or your cheese or whatever you want to melt and then you you sort of douse all the food on your plate with the melted cheese and you get smoked cheese you get pepper cheese you get normal cheese you get all the cheeses mate um, and it makes for a pretty hefty and calorific evening um but it's fun nice and social good way to have a meal something for Owen farrell to look forward to johnny eric do you like what Str- Straight to his <laughs> hips. So I'm going to say he doesn't need it. It's going to go straight to those hips. I'm sure he's going to enjoy life in France. It's been officially confirmed now. Two-year deal at Racing. Obviously, we spoke about it last week. It's been talked about. But what do you make of it now? It's been confirmed. It's presumably good for all parties that it's out there. Yeah, good for all parties. Maybe not for Saracens. That's the only party that... Well, they've struggled while it's been rumoured, haven't they? So... Yeah, well, since his head's obviously started to turn, he's such a big driver for their club that maybe things are starting to, or the wheels are coming off internally. I don't know. But for him, for Racing, for next year and for his future, it's the right move for everyone. I think it's great, great club, not too far, easy to get back home. He'll obviously get a good payday, gets away from the English media. Who needs English media uh, when you've got nice non-media um, like us. Um, so no, it's a good move for him. Looking forward to a change as well because it'd be very easy to stay and be the Marquee player and be a, a one-club man. But he wants to change. He wants to freshen things up. And the top 14 is a completely different kettle of fish. And I'm sure he will enjoy that challenge. At a slightly different angle, some of the owners of various clubs throw things around at various points. I don't want to get into dodgy legal territory myself, but how can they afford him, Johnny? You've got Khaleesi to his over, obviously, maybe slightly lower, but guys like Harry Arundel, Roma Taffa Fanua, Denver Bamba coming in. I know there'll be outgoings as well, but are there whispers around this in France or not? Creative accounting? I don't know, yeah. mate. Um, you said it, like there's presidents that throw that type of chat back. Like Jackie Lorenzetti, president of Racing, is the first one to make those type of comments about other clubs. So, um, look, they all have to declare it. If they go over, um, they get into trouble, they lose points, they get fined. I'm sure they will not do that. Nobody would ever do that. 
um, over here. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like you look at the type of caliber of player that they're starting to accumulate. But then nobody really said anything during the Dan Carter era. Nobody really said anything down at Toulon when it was the backies both are Johnny Wilkinson. There's always been rock stars and teams with two layers deep of that type of player in the top 14. Now I'd say it's one layer deep. You've got your rock stars, it's your 15, and the rest is built around youth, which is the way it has to be. So boys like Sia Khaleesi, Owen Farrell are coming over. Big payback, it's huge salaries, but there's more to be done. It's not just about playing now, it's about how can they bring through the next generation of French kids that they're playing with and improve them too. Take Antoine Gibert. Great, great example. He is just on the cusp of the French team, being called up for camp. But what about learning from Mon Farrell, playing alongside him, learning and training every day and how to drive a team around properly under the tutelage of Stuart Lancaster? More rumours to come later on, as I said, to go with Owen Farrell, confirmed to Racing. But other news before we get into the Champions Cup. Horrible for Anthony Gillon, Johnny. Oh, mate. And again, I, I was out of the game and you could call it, like as soon as it happened, he went to ground in the exact same way that he went to ground when he did his right side so that's him he's done his left ACL he was back rapidly the first one he's only out for six months he was straight back for the World Cup and I don't know how he did it but the fact that he has been back he was phenomenal at the World Cup he's been he's just a freak mate so physical again at the weekend Um, but the fact that he's been through it been through the ringer and now walked off the pitch at the weekend and didn't look as uncomfortable as he did with his other side but still just the sort of mental side of injury Dealing with those types of problems, the resilience he's going to have to develop, already has developed, but dig deep again to come back stronger um, for Toulouse and for France, who they need him, mate. Like He's one of the biggest players for them at the minute. So incredibly sad for him. And yeah, mate, it'll be another operation back to rehab. He'll be back down to Cerse, which is the big rehab clinic around the corner for me in Cap Breton for his rehab. And we just wish him all the very best because he's a lovely, lovely look. Absolutely. And his teammate to lose Alexandre Ruma is his replacement in the France squad. And then Manny Miafu picked up an injury at the weekend. So he's been ruled out, but only of the opener, we understand, against Ireland. So Paul Willemsen's back in the squad. Yeah, so Alex Ruma is, is another one who, man, I thought he could have been in from the start in the squad. Like the way he's been playing. Again, I never really understood why he was in and out of the side at Bordeaux when he was there. Like great line-out leader, can play seven or eight in any team in the top 14 easily, uh, is now physical, has great hands, um, can offload, can bring people into the game around him. So he's a great call-up for Anthony Jalonche. Um, and I really hope he gets a bit of game time because he's a quality player. And Manny, Manny's just tweaked his lateral ligament on his knee, so he should only be out, you know, two weeks max. So Paul Willems has come back into the squad and will be there for... The opener down in Marseille against Ireland. Um, and I don't know what the permeations will look like. Manny was a freak again at the weekend. I'm not sure if you watched that game, but so physical, yeah. running over people for fun. I, I think he weighed in with something like 12 offloads throughout the course of the four pool games. And he's just massive. So it's only a matter of time before he plays, but also delight for Paul, again, friend of the show, for him in and out with the French squad, disappointing World Cup. I think he'd like to finish on his own terms as well. So if he gets another involvement, um, a wee bit more game time with the squad and then can finish how he wants to finish, that's also really important. So yeah, disappointed for Manny and very sad for Anthony Jalosh. Let's round up the Champions Cup then because we'll obviously discuss the various ties in the round of 16 in a couple of months' time when we get there. But in terms of the fact that there are five matchups that we've already seen in the pool stages, is that just a coincidence or is it an issue with the way the draw is done? Because if you think about the way that it's seeded with the number one teams in the pool play, the number four teams in the pool, et cetera, et cetera, there's a decent chance you're going to play a team you've already played, isn't there? I think if you look around social media and the comments on what everyone thinks, everyone agrees, mate. Like, it's hard to follow in the first instance for the players, for the fans, for pundits. Like I'm going to be asking questions and I'm working through, I'm sat next to somebody from EPCR during the game and I'm like, right, so let's just work through exactly what happens, who can play who. And she was like, oh, oh really? Like You could just tell the look <laughs> on her face and everyone's the same. So we've ended up with a bunch of repeats of games that we've seen already in the pool stages for fans and the idea of traveling and getting to see different grounds and visit different places. That's not what they want. For viewers watching from TV, it's repeats of the pool games, so it's not ideal. Um, but yeah, it was always likely to happen when you when you think of the old pool, like teams of four you're playing against people from like top goes through. It's just so easy to follow. Whereas this, it's a little bit convoluted. It's hard to follow. 
And we've ended up with, you mentioned it, you tried to describe it, but one plays against the fourth, <laughs> plays against the fifth, play, nobody really knows, but long and the short is, we've got a bunch of games that we don't really want to see again. We'd like to see something different. That being said, the teams that are there, the coaches, they don't care. They're going to go through, they want to win. They were scrapping to get that home 16 game. Some of them have got it, some of them haven't, and they don't care who they play against. They just want to win the competition. So we march on, but for the neutral, it's been a little bit difficult to follow and there's probably some games that we've already seen. You're right. We called it last week. We said there would be five French teams we thought that made it through and so it unfolded. I was in Salford, Johnny. Horrible conditions. If you were against the wind, they were kicking the ball and it was ending up back over your own head. It was one of those days. But the Rochelle were impressive, weren't they? They were. And they looked like two-time champions, um, which isn't something that we've said throughout the first half of the season too often. But mate, they rattled up. They were 28-0 after 45 minutes or something in difficult, windy conditions. Again, I've played at that ground. It's like playing at the Kingspan back in the day when you've got wind swirling coming from one end of the pitch. And it is really difficult to control the ball, to negotiate, to keep ball in hand. Um, but they were what we have come to expect, La Rochelle. They were big, physical, organised, difficult to stop. Greg again, was monumental, new French captain, another 80 minutes, 20 tackles, 12 big carries, three turnovers. Antoine Hastoy, again, a, a boy that's been quiet, and he looked like it was a man with a point to prove after being left out of Fabian Galtier's squad, kicked very well in horrible conditions, ran in his try from 60, and looked like a bit of a man possessed. So, yeah, La Rochelle impressive, and, and Sale's not an easy place to go and win. Big, physical, hard to break down. Really horrible injury for Johnny Hill. Not sure if you saw that one. Dislocated knee yeah. falling from a line as well. That was grim. Um, so thoughts to big Johnny as well. Um, but yeah, La Rochelle looking big, efficient. And um, yeah, you're just hoping for more of the same from them. Yeah, you mentioned Greg. Ron Agara did a great interview on ITV after the game in which he referenced Greg and the time away he's had and the conversations they'd all been part of to arrange that. He then brought in... Weenie Antonio, Will Skelton into the conversation, basically admitted they don't want to train. So he doesn't make them a lot of the time, I don't think. And he just lets them lets them go on game day. It's working and they all look a little bit fresher after a sticky patch. And just on Greg, great stat for you, Johnny. You like a stat. He's lost two of his last 22 games for club and country over the past year. So that top 14 final, which was obviously devastating, and the World Cup quarterfinal to South Africa. Aside from that, when he plays, he wins. His team wins. Because he's a freak show in the nicest possible sense. And it's the biggest compliment you can pay a rugby player. But the effect he has on La Rochelle, he was the one man missing. And the effect he has on France is absolutely huge. And that's why Fabian, we talked about it last week, but that's why Fabian Gelti, given his age profile, given the way he plays, given his importance to the side and the fact that he's the clear first choice to be their number eight, was an easy pick for captain. So yeah, mightily impressive. The other French sides, Toulouse, obviously, the top seed, 20 points out of 20. They will be favourites for the tournament as a result of being the number one seeds. You know, the bookies might have Leinster up there as well, La Rochelle, just given their history in the past couple of years in the tournament. But Toulouse will be there as a result of what they've done in the pool stages. But no Antoine Dupont for the knockout stages is going to have a huge impact, isn't it? I'm not sure that's true. Okay. Like I was chatting to Jerome Kano at the weekend and Clement Poitrenault, and they were saying there's obviously a huge effect during the Six Nations and the competitions he's agreed to play with, uh, play in for the FFR. But Champions Cup is different. It's further far enough down the track that I think they get him back. I'm not sure okay. if there are big collisions with um, the knockout games, but they didn't seem to think so. I mean, that that was how I, my mind was thinking. Like once he's gone, that's him and he's mm. off. But they seem to think that, A, that wasn't set. And also, if they made it through and they made round of 16 quarters semis and they were home, there was still, even if there was a sevens competition in the way, there was still room to negotiate and try and get him back and pull rank. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're right up there. Of course they are. The way they're playing them, Leinster, La Rochelle, if they can win away from home in the next round, um, and Bordeaux, probably your tour four top dogs. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll write off Antoine Dupont yet. I think there's a strong chance that he might be back for uh, different parts of the knockout stage of the Champion Cup. Right, we'll get our guests on shortly and get our teeth into a load of juicy transfer rumours as we mentioned later on as well. First, let's find out what your meter moment of the week is, Johnny. Right, there was a pile this weekend. We had Bordeaux, 
away to the Bulls. That was an absolute tri-fest. Six tries apiece. We had Rory Cocker. I'm not sure if you saw him lifting no. up the Stormers. Mate, he did. You remember Antoine Dupont did a Mac Hansen? Yes. Picked up Mac Hansen like a dump truck and pulled him backwards and he looked like an absolute pit bull. Rory Cockott did that to number eight at the weekend <laughs> for the Stormers. He picked up the number eight of the Stormers and dragged him back effectively over the try line so he couldn't score. So another big moment by Rory Cockett. Six tries each for the Bulls and Bordeaux. What else did we have? Rassing, they rocked in seven tries and we could have picked any one of those. Um, but the meter moment of the week comes from Christian Wade. Did you see that one, Tim? Yes. Yeah. Very good. In a very appropriate week as well for Christian Wade to do it. Exactly. Not just showing that Louis Rizam is the only one that can head to NFL and come back and still rock it. Um, but again, they were confident. They had Gibert. Tristan Tedder was amazing as well at the weekend. Another friend of the show. Um, but there were a few tries up anyway. Quick tap penalty taken from about their 40. Tristan Tedder finds Christian Wade on about the opposite 40 meter line. But again, it's just quick heads up, quick thinking rugby that we often see from French sides that traditionally other sides might kick to the corners. Um, but Christian Wade gets released 40 metres of space. He manages to rally through about four side steps in about four seconds. He managed to leave Grady looking like he was a schoolboy clutching a, I don't know who trying to tackle uh, and bundle over. But seven tries for them. Christian Wade won and they were absolutely exceptional. Back to winning ways and through to the next round. So that is this weekend's metre moment of the weekend. Christian Wade for Racing. There we go. That was Johnny's metre moment of the week. And metre is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can now get 10% off any full-price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10, and you'll get 10% off any full-price item at meter.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Let's bring our guest on now then, and we can have a chat with one of quite a few Englishmen now applying his trade in the top 14 and doing it pretty well too. Perpignan's Ali Crossdale joins us. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? All good? We're well. Well, Johnny's better than me. He's a bit like you in the nice warmth of France, but I'm back home where you used to be. And it's miserable. Ali. It's that, miserable. You got the storm. The storm's hit pretty hard, is it? Absolutely. Everything's blown down. But yeah, anyway, less than that. We'll Perfect. focus on the positives. <laughs> we were just chatting about the Champions Cup, so we'll gloss over the Challenge Cup completely for you guys because yeah. it's fair to say you didn't necessarily go full ball with that one. No, we didn't. It's, yeah, no, it's good Good for some boys to get everyone out. And, um, you know, it's it's a funny one. It was one of those where I'd, I'd love to have played because obviously we played against Newcastle this weekend. And But, you know, it's just one of those. It's, um, you know, I think we had an interesting start to the season in the top 14. So, you know, we we had to kind of put a big focus on that. And, um, yeah, I think that was the, the priority. So, And it's going much better now. Over the festive period, three wins in a row. So... That must have been a hell of a couple of weeks for you. Yeah, like I said, the start of the season was, I think, I, I don't know, I don't want to use the World Cup as an excuse, but those three games were, it was just a weird, you know, mindset going in. I think we um, we obviously had the, not an issue, but we had the the fact that Frank came in and as a new coach and a load of new players. 
Um, so I think, you know, those first three games, I mean, they were tough games. We had like Racing away, Claremont away um, and Stafford at home. But, you know, we just kind of lacked that cohesion and we really everything kind of misfired. Anything that could have gone wrong went went wrong. But yeah, you know, over Christmas, I think, well, we obviously had a, f- a few good wins um, running up to that. And then over that Christmas period after after that first Europe block, we just... Things seem to gel a bit better and, you know, um, three big wins and, you know, hopefully continue like that all been well. So it's just a case of things maybe taking time to settle. Obviously, when new coaches come in, new players, these things take time. Now as a group, do you feel a little bit more relaxed than in yourselves? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not a coach. I think, you know, the cohesion thing is an easy one to say uh, as a player that, you know, things just don't feel right, you know, when you're on the pitch a load of skill errors, a load of issues with the set piece. You know, I'm not an expert on that either, but, you know, just things weren't kind of clicking. And I think whether that was just boys being desperate to impress a new coach coming in, you know, over trying or just, you know, getting used to new positions, new compositions and like, you know, playing with people you've not played with necessarily before. Um, But I think, you know, I I do think as well, you know, we had such a big pre-season, like we really went for it, like a big emphasis on the fitness and, I think we're seeing the gains from that now, but whether, you know, when the, when it was still warm weather and, you know, just off the back of a hard pre-season, you know, those those first few games, it seems to, it's a lot more relaxed environment now. I think obviously winning winning a few games helps, but yeah, I think the big one for us was getting that first win. And, you know, there's almost like on that Monday after that, it was like a complete shift. Um, just the boys kind of almost just breathing in and, you know, relaxing a bit more. Um, so yeah, it was good. We've spoken to a few players about that slightly strange start to the top 14 this season and they've all sort of said it's kind of obvious really I suppose but you had two pre-seasons which doesn't sound very good but I guess when you've got a new coach coming in maybe it is a lot of fitness first time around then you lose those three games and then there's a second block of pre-season almost more sort of tactical technical yeah in a weird way that second pre-season was almost a blessing for us because we'd had such a well we ended that first block of games getting absolutely thumped by racing um away and i think you know it's one of them where if we'd have had a game the weekend after or you know continued like that it'd have been it was almost that bad that you like there's so many things we needed to fix you know having a game the weekend after would have just been a nightmare um so it gave us a chance to kind of you know really look back and you know we had one on one meetings we i think we had two weeks off and then we had one on one meetings straight away um after that holiday and you know i think it gave everyone a chance just to kind of go right okay we've obviously started horrendously but it's almost like we're starting completely afresh and like you said you know we obviously we did did the fitness stuff in the first block and obviously that didn't slacken off but it was a lot more on right what do we really need to address um so it was almost the best in the disguise for us you know having that um that second pre-season almost it's enough to make anyone be sick. Two preseason, one's so, enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it like it was a good thing, but I'm saying no. at the time it was oh, mate. horrible, horrible to live through in one season through two preseasons. Absolutely gross, mate. How did you find being part of the relegation battle last season? Because you've almost become a bit of a cult figure. I'm not sure if you know this from the outside, but you're loved <laughs> by the perfect. Well, the Perpignan fans absolutely love you. Like the way you run, the way you go about your business, and um, they love the way you play. But there are difficult periods and relegation battles are not easily adjusted to mentally. Like if you haven't been there, they're horrible. So what did you find it like down in the sort of dogfight at the end of last season? What was that like to go through? It was a complete like kind of wave of emotions, really. Like I think, I think the issue, the, the big like thing for me was after Christmas, we had this, it was so funny, right? We had like a full crisis meeting after Christmas, like basically outlining the reality of the situation, but it started with, um, we all got a text like woke up on the morning, like team meeting at seven o'clock. And the last time I had one of those was when I was at Wasps and it was when we got told we were, we were redundant. So I remember walking in with Brad to the um, to the meeting and we're both sat there like, what's going on here? Like, Not again. <laughs> Not again, please. <laughs> and then after that, I think it was, we had a good game against Claremont, you know, lost it. And then it was kind of some tough games, but we, we managed to get the wins. And I think it was a really interesting experience for me because every single game is essentially a, a, a cup final, you know, obviously at the bottom of the league, but we were in the position last year where it was between us and Breathe, really, you know, one week they'd be above us, the next week we'd be below, um, we'd be above them. Uh, and then there was a real shift when we beat them away, you know, that was like a real, right, okay, here we go, let's continue like that. And then you almost, it was a sense of we got a bit of confidence, then we managed to lose to Montpellier at home. And again, it was just that wave of emotions of, 
you know, every week was class because you just like, this game's huge, especially the home games. You know, the home games, well, like we, we're talking about, our fans are just crazy. And, you know, having them behind you helps so much. But I, I know, annoyingly, I got injured, so I didn't even play the barrage match. But, um, you know, I was I went up um, on the t- team bus, mate, and I've genuinely never been so nervous, mate. I was literally, oh. like, literally going into the talk. Because like, that first half, we were awful. Like, we had the worst, worst start we could have had. Um, mate, I was just going through from the toilet, like, because <laughs> it's one of those where, you know, I've not, you're not involved, you can't do to change it. But, you know, I just watched it and it was, it was awful. But I think, you know, winning that game was just almost, I, I didn't even play, but it was almost just such a highlight of my career that will stay with me forever. Just that whole kind of journey of, of staying up, because it, it means so much over here, you know, it's, it's everything, isn't it? Like staying up in that top 14. So um, it was definitely, definitely a journey, but, you know, one that, I wouldn't really want to go through again. <laughs> now you know what coaches feel like. Mate, I know. I, I literally remember saying, I was sat next to someone on the bench and I was like, mate, I could not be a coach. Like, <laughs> like boys, you know, I just, I don't know how they do it. I honestly don't know how they do it. That bit's done. But what was the party like? Because when you assure top 14 survival, you know what it's like? Everyone's got a top 14 or a pro do salary. Some people know that if they drop down in the league, they're getting 50% of their pay packet. Yeah. Shit is getting a fan at home. You can't pay your bills. You can't pay the mortgage. What was that feeling like? And what was that changing room like? And what was the party like? How long did it last after that game? Mate, it was it was incredible. You know, I think some of the fans, but our team manager forgot to buy beers. So, <laughs> so the coach on the way back. So we've all finished and we're like, right, class, we obviously got the beers that... Um, Grenoble provided so we had a few of them and then you're like right okay let's all get on the bus everyone's on the bus and we're like right where's the beers bear in mind it's I think it was about two like 12 12 30 one in the morning on a Sunday so you're like in France nothing's open so then we managed to convince him to stay like we stayed at the um stadium had a few beers there and then we're like right we need to get back so everyone's brought the little pictures so we all took five or six pictures on the bus all the way back and then I think we, it was a six hour coach carried on. And then it was straight away to the beach, you know, the beach bars in uh, Cane, which were just, yeah, it was class. And then um, a few boys went off to, no, we had, the, we had a social at the beach bar that, that day on the Saturday. And then a few boys went off to Barcelona on the Sunday. Um, so yeah, it was, it was class. And just quickly before we moved on, I think, Johnny, we had Tristan Tedder on at the end of last season, didn't we? Chatting about the access match and also about the crisis meeting that you referenced, Ali. And he was sort of saying that, it was so odd because probably not as emotional and, and odd as the one you had at Wasps, obviously. But he said it was sort of almost being said that the coach was being sacked. Someone stood up and sort of said, yeah. no. And then that was it. And it's like, you've experienced a lot in your young career being at Wasps and now being in France. And to have a meeting like that must be pretty strange for you, quite newly into your Perpignan career. Mate, it was it was so bizarre. And you know, I think like I said, it was I think it was my birthday as well. Like <laughs> I think the funny thing is, mate, I think I actually remember it as well. We had one of the, the blood tests in the morning, so no one had eaten. I was like, right, it's my birthday. My my girlfriend made some brownies to take in. I was like, oh, everyone's gonna really be happy. And then we get this message <laughs> and I'm like, clapped, right? This is gonna be such a bad day. Um oh. and mate, yeah, I just it was for me and Brad as well. And I think, you know, it was just one of those where you like what's going to happen here like at that point I didn't understand much French at all as well so you just kind of sat through the whole meeting trying to read body language and you like don't actually know what is going on like I heard the word like money heard, heard that kind of thing I'm like is this actually happening again but I think afterwards you know the thing I realized it's, it's pretty powerful in terms of I think it was Matt Matt Asibas, um was the one that stood up and was like no nah, we're not we're sticking with the coaches and you know, completely the right choice. It was it was not the coaches or the game plan that was that was causing us to lose games. And I think, you know, I really respected that from him. And it was almost like a case of that whole experience brought us all together. And I think we went on to win the weekend after. And but, you know, at the time it's just, you know, you look back and you, it's laughable now, but at the time you're just like, what is going on here? Like it just just different level, you know. Tough meeting. But you had brownies to soften the blow at the end of it, so it was all right. Mate, no one even ate them because everyone, <laughs> I think they, they sent us home after the meeting, so I'm just going back with these brownies. Like, <laughs> class. Comfort eating your way home. That's what I'd have been up to. Mate, it was. Yeah, it was. And the man that you saved, Patrick Arletaz, is now the French attack coach. So what can we expect come the Six Nations, which is around the corner? What did you like about working with him, his points of difference, and what do you think is going to change under him with the French team? 
I mean, it would be a dream to be attack coach for that French team, to be honest. Um, you know, they've got, you know, one of the most exciting backlines in the world and and then the forwards are, you know, as as powerful as any team. I think, you know, Pat's great at, I think he's, what I, what I really liked about he's very good at allowing players to play their way. You know, he's not going to prescribe a system on people and, and, you know, make them conform to something that then, then they're not, they're not used to or what, what doesn't play to their strengths and what, I loved about him last year, you know, I think, I don't know whether it's the same for every player, but I I think there's times in the premiership that you're, you almost have to conform to a way of playing to suit the team you're playing for, which is, which is obviously the way it works there. And it, it works in that way in a lot of teams, but it was my first experience of having a coach of going, you know, I almost got told off, uh, you know, as a winger, I was very used to sticking from Saris and it didn't play much wing at um, Wasp but when I was ever at Saris it was always stay on the wing you know you come in if it's really on but if not you're out there and if the ball's you're the option wide always so I remember one of the first experiences I had with Patrick was you know yelling at me because I haven't got off my wing you know he's like you don't, you don't want to score you don't want to score like what are you doing and I was like okay sweet like so that freed me up again I think you know, for those French boys, like I said, it's a dream to coach them. Um, I think what, you know, he's very creative and he, tr- he likes trying things. You know, I think we've, you know, we, you saw some of the tries that we scored as a team last year. I think that was, again, just from a license to just play from anywhere. And, you know, and that's what the French team do now. But I think, you know, Patrick will just give them that freedom to, you know, express themselves properly. Um, so, yeah, I think it'd be really exciting. I'm, I'm really intrigued to watch it during the Six Nations. You mentioned the difference there between the top 14 and the premiership in terms of culturally, maybe a bit more freedom to play. What are the other big differences? Because it's also eight games longer than the premiership season now. So, I mean, does it feel like a grind? I guess there's a few blocks of European games to break it up. Um, I mean, you play throughout the six stations, which is a difference with the premiership this season as well. But uh, there are the big differences that you notice between the leagues. Yeah, I think think you said that grind. I think we've... I think we've been training for about four months straight. So we've got our first week off in two weeks, which I compared to, you know, speaking to some of my mates back home, it's like they're, they're off every every couple of weeks now at the moment. And obviously they've got these 10 days off coming up in the Six Nations. I, I, I think, like I said, I think the main one for me would just be the games seem a lot more open in terms of as a, as a back. And I think, you know, the physicality, the physicality at the top level, I think is always pretty much the same. I think that's the thing, but... I think over here, it's whether you're defending or attacking, you know, almost anything can happen. And I think as a player, for me, that's what I've really loved over here, just because that's the way I always, you know, used to love playing. Um, just growing up for the age groups of with England stuff, like, you know, John Fletcher and Waltz and those those guys, that's what, you know, those training sessions were always about and, you know, playing to your strengths and playing to space and, you know, not always being prescribed by a system. And that's not that's not to say a system is is wrong because I do, you know, obviously respect that system's in place for a reason. But it's about those times where, you know, if there's space somewhere, take it, you know. And I think, you know, some of the tries you see every week in the top 14 are just, you know, you're like, how how has that happened, you know? like. But I think that's the main thing I, I, I feel is, is a big difference. Um, obviously, with the three teams going in the premiership, it's, Changed their season completely, but I think the other thing is obviously, yeah, that, that grind is, you know, we're not even halfway through the season yet, and yeah, that's that's a massive one. I mean, you've you've been there just over a year now, and obviously wasn't part of the plan at the time because of what happened at Wasps. So, how do you look back and reflect at what happened then now, and how did that move to Perpignan come around? You know, looking looking back, I think in in a weird way, I think I'm, I'm very lucky because I'm one of the ones that's landed on my feet in terms of, you know, I'm loving it here. You know, it's something like you said that I never thought I'd do, but, you know, being here now, you know, I couldn't be happier. It's, it's, it's literally, it's perfect for me at the moment, but then, you know, looking back, you know, and I've still got mates that, you know, still struggle to not get and, and, you know, good players that haven't got much and it's just still sad um, thinking about it. And I think, you know, one thing will always be that those those guys that were effective will always have that um, you know bond that bond from what we went through. I think, um, and it's lovely catching up with boys over here or back at home. You know, just that you know that were at Wasps. For me, I what happened? We got the obviously at the meeting, and then I had about a month where I just kind of got was still just coming back from injury, so I had to kind of rehab myself. And mate, I had literally had a couple of meetings back home, but nothing really nothing really that was 
anything concrete. So, you know, I was kind of like weighing up what I was going to do and really thinking hard about life after rugby. I think that was that was one of the things that I almost got my head around just because just because the nature of it, you know, obviously the, we were we obviously weren't the most unfortunate because that ended up being London Irish, but we obviously went after Worcester. So, you know, a lot of the Worcester boys and the jobs that were out there, they'd taken. Um, so it was a bit of an interesting one. Um, and then for me, I really looked out. I think I owe Brad Shields a massive pat on the back because he, I think Perpignan were looking for a back three player and Brad just put my name forward. And then, mate, literally as soon as we started talking, it happened within, I think I moved within four or five days of, of actually having oh, that first Zoom. So... Again, that was a bit of a shock, um, you know, trying to tell my friends, family and obviously girlfriend at the time that that was what I needed to do. Um, but um, looking back now, it was it, it's it's all worked out perfectly. So, And the players who didn't get gigs at the time or maybe had to, as you say, drop down into the championship, that's the, the main one. But you mentioned you were having conversations that weren't concrete at the time. I can't remember who it was we spoke to, but we spoke to a few players and they were saying that Obviously, the offers that were being thrown about by other English clubs at the time were very low because, I mean, obviously they didn't have a huge amount of money anyway, but they also knew that if you wanted to stay in England to fight for an international place, perhaps, eventually, you had to kind of sign up to these offers. You didn't have a lot of choice. So is that what you kind of experienced at the time? And also, you mentioned then you were injured. Presumably, the rug was completely pulled from under you. And did you have to fund that all yourself? Yeah, mate. I, yeah, definitely that. So the it, the offers. I mean, it's one of them where the clubs had all the power. So they obviously, you know, there was a, there was one option for like injury cover um, that I was really like hopeful for. Um, and then literally the scan came back and the guy wasn't injured for very long, so that didn't happen. And and then yeah, the offers were just you know it was one of them where you just kind of hoping that. It sounds awful to say, but you're almost hoping for it. Every week you're watching the Premier, like hoping someone gets injured, which is awful to say. But that was the kind of reality of the situation that where there might be a bit of money because obviously the, the clubs get the injury dispensation. The injury obviously didn't help me because I couldn't. I mean, we we played we played it quite well. My agent decided to not be completely honest with what I was injured, so it was a bit of a niggly adductor. Um, which I was, you know, again, it was just such a stressful situation because you're like, you know, if I need to go in and have to train tomorrow, am I going to be able to do it? You know, I, I think at, towards the kind of second, third week, I was absolutely fine and I was able to do it. But that first week of, you know, my agent's you know, your phone was going off every now and then, you answer it straight away and you're like, oh, they want you to come in tomorrow. And you're just kind of fearful that if I go there and I'm injured again, covering someone else is injured, it's like, um, you know, pointless. Um, I was really lucky. Uh, we had a physio called Gaz, uh, who's at, I think he's at Ulster now. Um, who mate, he was a legend. Just literally for free, free of charge, was meeting up with a few of the boys. Um, I think it was like twice a week. Uh, obviously, it was under wraps because there was no real insurance there. And but you know, we obviously we were we were we were trying to give him some cash, but he, he didn't take it to this day. And you know, I'm so thankful that he he took the time to do that. Um, but then there's other guys who are a bit more seriously injured who I think the RPA did a really good job with and with Restart Rugby, you know, funded some of their physios, whether it was privately or with physios at the club. But, you know, again, it was just a, it was a crazy situation because we were still, I think we were initially for the first couple of weeks, we were still allowed to go into the, the wash training ground and you're going into that facility, which was just crazy. And you're like, this is all just gone. Like, it was just such a weird situation. It's bonkers. On the theme of moves, Owen Farrell's move to Racing has been confirmed this, this morning. I'm sure you've seen it. You played with him at Saracen. So are you surprised or do you think it's the perfect timing for him? I think, you know, I'm really pleased for him and his family. I think it's it's one of them where, you know, we all, we're all aware of the heat he, he's been getting like, publicly and in the press and social media. Like, you know, I think it's just one of them where it takes its toll, doesn't it? You know, um, a player of that level and, and that... Um, like ability is just doesn't deserve that kind of criticism but I know that's the modern age um but I think you know for him and his family I think he's you know I think it's Saracen's 50 15 years you know I saw like a thing on Twitter earlier about all the medals he's won I think what a time to to go and try a new challenge and I think you know that wrestling squad is you know clearly building something under Lancaster he's worked with Lancaster before so you know for him I think I'm, I'm really pleased for him and you know, I think it'll be a really good move uh, for him and, and the family. So, why do you think he gets so much heat? 
What is it about Faz that he manages to get this from the English media, from fans? Because what I see is a competitor, somebody that's really driven, probably isn't focused or worried about what people outwardly think about him, but the amount that he gets is ridiculous. No, I I think it genuinely is that. I think it literally is. I, I don't think I've ever met a more competitive, driven person. You know, I think, I don't know, I think whether that alienates people because they're not used to seeing players like that in rugby or whether in any sport, whether that, that alienate, alienates someone. Um, I think almost like, I think you almost hit the nail on the head because he's so focused and like wanting to win throughout every game. And he doesn't think about what people are going to think of him, whether that is, you know, whether other people who aren't as driven and focused thinking, Oh, I can't say this here because if the ref might picks it up or, you know, I, I can't, hit this rock because there's a chance I'm going to hit someone high but he doesn't think like that he's so driven and focused on winning you know and that's that's why he's got so many medals and that's why he's he is where he is but I don't I, don't, I honestly don't know why you know having played with him and even as a kid watching him um, he was someone that I've always respected and always looked up to and wanted to be the 10 for England you know when I was when I was a kid that was that was who um, after Johnny and who I was like, this is this is class and this is the best thing for England. So, you know, I, I don't know um, why he gets so much stick, but I think the main thing is that, you know, I think that Saris team this year, this, they still have the potential to go on and win the Premiership or, um, and then he's got, you know, an exciting couple of years ahead. And, you know, if he wants to come back for the World Cup, then, you know, that's great for England. But if not, then he's going to have a great time in Paris and, you know, England's got, they've got future you know prospects at 10 so it's it's not either way it's a win-win I think you're one of a lot of English players already playing in the top 14 but next season you're looking at not only Farrell Lewis Ludlam Carl Sinclair I know they haven't officially confirmed it but that's the word is there the rumors yeah maybe sealed already who knows Courtney Laws has been looking around Johnny Hill rumored to be going to Leon the Vunapolas potentially there are others but Owen Farrell moving to France, is is that going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of the RFU having to change things with international selection or not? Ah, mate, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I think um, as a as a statement in terms of to change the, the criteria, I think it's the, the the biggest one, isn't it? You know, he's England captain. I, I think it'll all be, de- not dependent, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Six Nations goes. And I think you know, how many boys do actually confirm whether they get whether they come over to France next year. You know, I think I thought a big one was was Henry Rundle. You know, I thought, you know, he's, you know, the next big big thing coming in, in England. Um, obviously decided to stay, but the RFU didn't budge. So and then obviously Jack Willis again this week is, you know, extended at Toulouse. So, you know, I think there's there's so many players over here and you know, I think I think it's one of those where it, until until it happens, you you won't believe it's ever going to happen. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. But I think I think the main one that you know I'll be looking at is just how that how that how that Six Nations goes for England. You know, after a World Cup, it's a very new look squad. If it goes well for them, then you know, great. And you know, they might not think about changing the criteria. But you know, if things don't quite go to plan, and you think, oh, where are we missing players? And are people that you know performed in the Six Nations actually leaving? Then you know I think it does start to you know change change things, but again I'm not I'm not up at higher than the RFU, so it's just yeah it's a really interesting one. It's a really I'd love to be in their minds and figure out what's going on. But okay, so you're not higher up in there for RFU, thank God. Nobody wants to be there. It'd be a terrible joke. <laughs> but like when you mention those names, Arundel, Willis, Nowell already here, Sinclair, Johnny Hill potentially, the bulk of the team or what would be seen as the first choice team, I know it might be coming to the end of a cycle, is going to be over here. Like, if you can remove yourself, you're not at the top. You're just now an England fan. You're that kid that was enjoying watching Johnny Wilkinson, who was playing in France for parts, enjoying looking up to and playing with Owen Farrell. What would you like to see? Would you like to see English players be allowed to move? Or do you think there's a real need to protect the premiership and their product? What what would you do if you were in charge? I think, think, you know, I, I look back to that Johnny one and I remember begging my dad for Sky Sports when I was a kid to try and watch the top 14, you know, and I think watching a new league as a young kid who's developing as a, you know, trying to learn rugby properly, that was something that I loved loved doing, you know, and watching a different league and seeing different players. And, you know, I, I think as an England fan, why would you not want players playing 
in the in in a league which is bet like is at the moment the, the most secure and the the most competitive. I think why would you not want that to develop it? You know, you look at how well it's worked for the South Africans. You know, it's 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 working for them. But then at the same time, you know, with three teams gone in the Premiership, the the Premiership's not functioning. So. I get you need to you need to obviously fix fix that situation there. And the the crazy thing is for me is that obviously being on the the other end of it where with the GIF system where I'm really don't I'm not really allowed to play every game because of the quota and you know that has a big impact. So clubs in the top 14 and, and in Japan, there's there's a limit on how many foreign players can can go to those those places. So it's not as if the RFU are gonna make a call and say, oh, we'll open up um will open will allow players the opportunity to play abroad and everyone's going to have a mass exodus because it doesn't it just doesn't work like that you know I, I yeah for me if I was an England fan that's what that was what I would, I would want is to be able to see players playing in different places and and for the players as well to just develop you know I'm you know I'm Henry Rundle's killing it over here you know obviously he was doing very well at Irish but you know seeing him do that and for his development as a as a young player in that team, you know, he's got Faz there next year, you know, that's going to bring him on so much. And, you know, he, at the moment, he's going to have to go back and leave that situation to play for England in the World Cup. And yeah, for me, that's, yeah, it just doesn't seem right. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I I could talk about all day. And for yourself, mate, it's a similar situation. So you mentioned already at the start, Saracens, you stay on your wing, get to Perpignan, get off your wing, go and look for work, go and find ways of breaking tackles, run off the shoulders of 10s and 9s and get yourself into the game, which you do and you break tackles and you're even more exciting to watch now, which is great. So is there a part yeah. of you as well that would like to take these parts and components that you've learned from being with different players, being with different coaches from different parts of the world? Would You've been involved in England in large training groups in the past. You've had some serious time. Would you want to take that and move back to Premiership as well? Or, or are you happy to stay here in France? Where would your head be? My dream still is always to play for England. You know, I think that's that's what, oh, as a kid, that was always my dream. And that's, you know, still still definitely the, the dream and would, would be the highlight of, of my career, you know. And, you know, if that meant moving, moving to England again to have to do that, then, you know, definitely I'd, I'd want to do that. But, you know, for me at the moment, I feel like I'm older, but, you know, I'm only 26. Um, you know, for me, I'm enjoying my rugby more than I have, you know, in years, you know, obviously that the big part of that staying, managed to stay fit and, but, and, and actually getting picked as well, which is a big one um, for being on the pitch. Um, but I think, you know, for me, uh, that's, that's what that I'm, I'm holding on to at the moment is that I'm absolutely loving it here. And for me now at the moment, it's just focusing on that. And, you know, in a year's time, in two years time, if, if things change and, then who knows what happens, but you know, the, the dream's always there and you know, you get not upset, but you just kind of like, ah, oh, it's an, it's annoying that I can't be picked, but it, it's one of those where I just hold on to, you know, looking at each week and going, God, we're playing against La Rochelle this week. And, you know, in, in my head, it's like, we're playing against an international, we're playing at an international level, playing against those teams. So I think all I can focus on is, you know, trying to do well and play against when I play against those teams and, each week and you know keep developing myself and see what happens i think is, is one of those absolutely and hopefully they do change rules because otherwise when you know it's not just you there's a load of players but when your contract comes up for renewal it then becomes an epic decision doesn't it because you've almost got to look for a move back if you want to pursue that international line versus i'm having a great time it's brilliant living in france different culture different way of playing broadening your own horizons personally and on the rugby field it's it's a tough one so we'll leave that we'll park that and yeah, until no, it comes definitely. up for you again <laughs> um but johnny mentioned it there you were involved with england you trained with england a few years ago it's not that long ago so how was that as an experience because i think you were in and around the squad for the 2021 six nations when there was sort of like a shadow six nations squad yeah and eddie jones was in charge then we always ask everyone if they've got an eddie jones story <laughs> Did you have much interaction with him? No, I did. Yeah, no. For me, it was it was just bizarre because um, I think it was it was after COVID, so we it was that really weird block straight after the first lockdown. So I think we played played one team and then we played Worcester, and I remember I had a, I had a good game, and then out of nowhere, my agent called me like, "Oh, Eddie's Eddie's just got hold of me. You're like, you're going to be involved for the bar bars," and I was like, "Sorry, like." I, I literally thought he was taking the, like taking having a joke. 
So I was like, okay, whatever. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, just, you know, you just like, oh, typical agent chat. Like, just... <laughs> um, but yeah, then lo and behold, I get this phone call at, like, God only knows what time in the morning. Thankfully, I had my phone on loud. And I'm like, like, answer it. And he's like, am I? And I'm like, oh, God. Like, straight away, knew who it was. Um, and, mate, camp was camp was class. But I think I always had that, like, I don't know, like, because I hadn't played loads and kind of went in as off the back of in my head one one good prem game like that was that was what i kind of thought had happened and i almost had that kind of doubt the whole time i was there like i'm i'm actually good enough to be here and you know that was that was for me like that's a shame annoyingly that was kind of my mindset when i was there and you know i loved it i loved camp and unfortunately that barbar's game got canned cuz <laughs> those boys went out on the piss which was Idiot. annoying um that got canned and then mate we had italy that we i think italy the end the end of that six nations from february was the weekend after and eddie you know saying oh like you're gonna be here next week to train and you know we'll see what happens and you know i was so excited about that but because that game got cancelled we had a session on the saturday and eddie was like right it's a game we're just gonna go 15 on 15 and i've got injured in that bloody session and then <laughs> got sent home so i was like perfect that was <laughs> That was the end of that experience. Um, but yeah, mate, Eddie. Yeah, I, I personally thought he was thought he was class and intense. Like you know, you just constantly on edge. Um, I remember the first, my my only Eddie story was, and it, it hasn't stuck with me. I'm ashamed to say I've got a fridge full of it. Was um, ketchup for me, <laughs> like first breakfast, mate. I've got it, and like it was like dry sausages, dry bacon, dry eggs, like. And I'm like, okay, sweet. Got just literally reached, cracked open some ketchup, like piled it on, like loved it. I'm whacking it in. I just feel this like presence just here, <laughs> breathing in my ear. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, just eating breakfast. Like it was my first day there. And he's like, does, does Johnny, Johnny, Johnny may have ketchup? I'm like, no. <laughs> Go over to the bin, scrape the ketchup off. And then, mate, after that, every meal, like even if we're having soup, if we're having, I don't know, pasta, anything, every time here and he's like this looking at my plate <laughs> I'm like, i don't have any ketchup <laughs> well, that was it for me um what a strange fish he's a strange <laughs> fish and then you compare that to like my time at cast where the pre-match game meal was entrecote goat's cheese pizza chips bottles of coke ice oh, cream like it's different over here, isn't it? <laughs> it's good fun i, I like it over here. that's why i haven't left Different coaches. I love that though. Does Johnny May have ketchup? What a question. Like, I mean, I know. Mate, I was like, this, no, he doesn't. <laughs> I, I bet Johnny May has been through. He's a strange fish as well. He's been through a pile of ketchup in his time. That lad. One hundred. We just stores in his room, mate, and then you know, <laughs> just goes back and just got something in his mouth. <laughs> that was it for me. Put me off for a while. And I was like, what injury did you get in fifteen on fifteen? I did my car like just literally. Sprinting. Yeah, I, I think I was just sprinting, and it just went completely. Um, so I was out for about eight weeks with that I think oh, well, it was the season we Saris were in the champ so we'd and I I told I told Saris I was leaving to Wasps and then you know I think I only ended up playing one game so because the champ season that year was like something like eight games so I played one game against uh Ampetil and then yeah then that was it and then moved to Wasps and yeah I didn't I think I got one text after that from from him after like a good game but didn't hear from him Have again you so. the catch up Exactly. <laughs> ketchup. Post match me, I'll have some ketchup. Yeah. You're right. I think I told him I have it. That's why I never got in touch. That's the reason, mate. <laughs> Did you say, Eddie, you should see the meals, the post match meals in the championships? Just sausage and ketchup. That's all you get. Sausage and ketchup. A few chips. Mate, that's all you get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of international rugby, but bringing it back to the present, one of your teammates at the moment, Pasolo Turilangi, he is only 19, but are you surprised he isn't in the front squad at the moment? Because a lot of people thought he was going to be. I am. Yeah, I am definitely. I think, you know, I haven't played with someone in a long time where they have, especially at his age, it's crazy like to, to think how, how young he is, where just to have a, such an impact on the game. Every single time he touches the ball, something something happens, whether it's, you know, making making yards or, you know, his hands are really good. Like there's no real, oh, he's smashed people in defence. Like there's just, I look at him and I'm like, at 19 years old, like even as development, I would have had him in and around um, that squad, you know, whether he's, I think he personally, I personally think he is ready for that step up, but obviously the French team is loaded, but 
I would have definitely had him in that squad just for that experience and that exposure. You know, it's it's great for us that he isn't like in the nicest way possible from a selfish point of view. But I, you know, again, I think it's one of them where he's 19 years old, like it, it's going to come at some point. But yeah, I just think all you know, he, he doesn't seem too disheartened by it. You know, I think he's pretty grounded. So um, it's one of those things that I think we're all all hoping for, for him at some point. It, it comes around, whether it's on the summer tour this year for him, hopefully, or even next year. But I think. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have personally had him in. Um, I think he's a, he's a machine. So he's a phenomenon, and you're right. There's two tests where it's in Argentina this year, their summer tour. So he's going to get picked up at some point. And like you said, selfishly for you boys, you'd be delighted he's not going to Six Nations. You need him no, there, yeah. especially with these with these doubles that are going to happen. There's a couple of games where it's still, and you don't lose too many players at all. So the fact that he's still there is great news for you. What is he like in general? Again, I haven't had much contact with him at all, but as a bloke in training, a personality, what's he like? Only 19, like you said, he's still young. Um, but what's he like as a lad? Mate, really, like, such a nice guy. Like, um, yeah, just just really grounded, down to earth. In training, you get a different side to him. So I think, you know, last year we had like a real, there was, for me, there was a big shift just one week. Like genuinely, I think I, I wasn't, obviously joined kind of midway through the season. And saw, like when I joined, I was like, saw him. I was like, bloody hell, like who's this guy? Like, obviously know the name but like in training didn't there was no that you didn't really see him you didn't notice for someone that size you didn't see him and I spoke to a few boys were like yeah like you know it's just not you know I don't know whether it's just nervous like that being in the first team set up at 18 or whatever like and then we had this one week and I, I think it was Pat Patrick who just like flew into him a bit at the start of the session and no mate no other lie like no one was safe that that week and then after that he played that weekend incredible and then it's just kind of gone from there you know I think he almost either needed that you know like a direct mate just just take off like you know just hit someone or just run run over someone he almost was just kind of so shy and you know almost doubting himself that he needed that again that bit of a kick and I think yeah since then mate he's just yeah taken off and you know you still get that sometimes in training where you know if we have a live session you like please be on my team like (laughs) (laughs) please but yeah mate it's just yeah I think again like I said he's not taken well from what I'm well I've not seen any difference since the the French squad came out in him and you know I think that says says a lot about someone like he could easily be sulking and you know being a bit you know lethargic around training yeah but he's not at all you know so yeah, you know, I think the future for him is just going to be massive. Like he's, you know, he's going to have a hell of a career. So, and there's a chance there might be another one. I say another one of the family. Obviously, you've got Henry around the club, who's a legend. Yeah. Manu's looking as well. Like, has Manu been down to have a look around the campus yet? Not seeing him. You know, like yeah, I think all we've all I've seen and heard is the same room as everyone else is hearing. So I think you know, obviously, we're all crossing our fingers and hoping. But um, <laughs> you know, we'll just have to see. You know, I think that would be incredible for us. I think. Yeah, I think it would be a big statement from Frank and from the club if if we managed to get hold of him, of where our aspirations are. I think, you know, Frank's been class in terms of, there's a, been, just because of how the last kind of, you know, few seasons have gone for Perpignan, you know, I think there's kind of almost been an acceptance from the general public and that, you know, we are just going to scrap it out every year. And I think Frank's come in and really changed that mentality to, right, let's, let's change that around. You know, I think there's been a big focus on those away games, you know, like everyone talks about it, those away games where that method, that that mentality of, you know, it's away game, let's, you know, rest boys or we're not going to win that one because it's to lose away or, you know, but Frank's had a real shift this year of, you know, we're going to every away game and we're going to try and win. You know, I think that cast game um, in that Christmas block when we managed to get a win, just sum that up, you know, that, and I think, again, we've taken a lot of confidence from that. So, you know, I think it would be a big statement if we managed to do get, if we do manage to get Manu, but, you know, I'm sure he's probably got mega offers from, from elsewhere. So we'll just have to wait and see and see if he fancies playing with his, uh, with his, with his cousin. So I was going to say that's a draw. And in terms of a, a transfer policy for Frank, as many two Alangis as you can get, it's quite a good one. Yeah, no, 100%. You mentioned the away form and the away mentality, which Frank is trying to shift. And, and it's always a thing. We see it with other French sides as well. It, it's something that you have to work on. You had a big result over Christmas. This weekend, huge game at Lyon. Yeah, huge game. 
yeah you know there's no two words about it so we're I think one point above them so you know and um if we win it then it's it puts a gap between us uh, and and obviously the other the other team is chasing you've got Oyanax and, and Montpellier so you know it's a it's a huge game but like I said I think the benefit we have is I think of a lot a lot of the squad and like I said earlier is you know that last season you know every game was this you know cup final um and that was when we were chasing trying to like trying to get the results and chasing those teams whereas this season it's nice that at the moment we are above them but we we have that pressure obviously but you know I think for us we benefit from it's not panic stations you know it's it's just a case of the same as last year like we just need to just do the job and 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 go there and not panic you know and I think that was you know when we played Montpellier when was it like November time? I think when we beat them, you definitely got a sense from from them of how nervous they were. Like I was messaging Stuki, who was there at the time during that week, and he's like, "Mate, it's you know, it's it's just stress, like it's carnage. It's stressful as hell here. Like everyone's kind of all over the place." And you know, you obviously saw that with you know they sacked the coach straight after that game. So you know where <laughs> it's annoying, but we're used to being in these positions. So you know, it's a huge game, and the weekend after's you know a huge game. We've got Racing at home. Um, but you know it's two games and then we've got a week off and for us it's you know it's the same as last year we just have to go and get a, get a performance and hopefully get a win so um we'll see how we go and looking at that game mate you've obviously done your analysis we're halfway through the week it's tuesday you've just had your double session yeah. what have you made of leon they've been a bit of a mixed bag this year so far but what are the threats what are you going to have to do well to beat leon and try and climb back up this top 14 table i mean they obviously i think Semi Semi Rodrigo will be back this week, so it's obviously nullifying that threat because he's you know incredible. So that'll be a big one. You know, we've massive focus on our set piece. You know, there's been quite a few more tries scored against them this season. And then for the back, you know, a big one for them is you know their their kicking game. So they you know kick off ten quite a lot and dealing with those you know like high high bombs. But you know, again, they, again they've had a mixed bag. We've had a mixed bag. So it's it's one of those that'll be an interesting matchup and. You know, it's just about starting well. Like we're one of those teams that you know we need to start well, get that confidence, and then um, and then that other block for us is just after half time. It's just not switching off. You know, we've had a few cases this year where that's been an issue. Um, but yeah, you know, I think if this league is just you know you look at each week. I was saying it earlier, but you know, you look at each weekend and who you who you lining up against and what threats teams have, and you like you know the whole the whole team's class. You know, and it's just like it's such a Nice experience to be able to do that every every week. So um excited for it. Absolutely. Semi is a big threat. I was I was doing Saracen's Leon at the weekend. You won't take your eyes off having an Ishvili as well. I mean oh, mate. Yeah, he's on intercepts fire all over the place. He was over the ball, winding players up. He was everywhere. So there's another on one. Fire. Good luck the weekend, the rest of the season. Hopefully the RFU will change their selection policy <laughs> as well. And we'll see you in a white shirt at some point soon. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. Cheers, guys. We mentioned it there. He is one of a number of Englishmen now joining the top 14. He's one whose move happened very much by surprise, quickly, but he's loving life and good views on what they are if you maybe should or shouldn't do. It wasn't planned, obviously, but he's adapted. Um, like I mentioned at the start, I think he sort of thought it was a joke. He's become a bit of a cult figure, but he's loved by the fans down there. He's playing really well. Um, and I guess that taps into the different bits he was talking about in adapting the way he's playing, working with different coaches, coming onto the ball more. Like He comes onto ball a lot. He's breaking tackles. He's rapid. Um, and he's fun to watch. Um, again, like I was going through thinking about you know, the process of maybe having both two laggies there, like trying to get the same colored bibs. You want to avoid both of them in training. Like he's having a great time. And it's a really diverse squad as well with good people. So I'm glad that he's settled. I'm glad that he's enjoying it. Um, and yeah, it would be great to see him eventually in the white of England. But for now, it's great to see him in Catalan colors doing so well down for Perpignan. And he spoke very diplomatically, but um, I was going to put it quite bluntly. He was basically stood on the wing chasing box kicks at Saracens. That's and what that he said. Fly in <laughs> That's what he said. I was on the wing at, at Saris and they, they just want you to stay there. Whereas I come over here and I get to play rugby. And you're like, it sounds like a no-brainer. Just stay here. Sunshine on your back. Down at Cannae at the weekend at the beach clubs. I mean, what's not to like? So no, great to have him on. Shall we have a look at who else might be hitting the beach clubs in France soon? Oof, there's a few, mate. There are, aren't there? 
there's a few uh, a few of these boys I caught up with at the weekend as well. So I will neither confirm nor deny, but we can list them. Yuan Tanga, who actually was playing centre at the weekend against Sale. Did a decent job. Did a decent job. Um, he's probably lacking the size to be a top-level number eight. I reckon his best bet is going to be if he moves to six, which is where you're you're sort of open side flanker and Francis, you're six. You're sort of close to the ground, competing for ball. He's not quite big enough to be a seven or an eight in France, I don't think, but he's been linked with Stade Francais, as has Henry Slade, who's been knocking over match winners for fun recently. Um, Henry Slade, Exeter to Stade Francais. Johnny Hill, who did a, he had a really bad, we spoke about earlier, really bad injury to his knee at the weekend, to Leon. Um, Joey Carberry, we've mentioned him before, looking stronger to Bordeaux, as is Johnny Gray. Uh, Rohan Jans van Rensburg to Bordeaux as well. Andre Esterhuizen to Toulon. They're looking for a big 12. Melvin Jaminet is getting panned there as well. I'm not sure if you've seen that right. stuff. Just just local press thinking that he should be better, would be better. The club's given you massive confidence, big salary. And then he was utterly crap against Munster. And they're like, what's happening? Actually, yesterday there were protests outside the training ground at Toulon as well. Wow. Um, fans not happy. Um other ones, we spoke about it a little bit there. Manu Tuolagi, he's been linked with both Montpellier and Perpignan. Uh, Courtney Laws, who was Aix-en-Provence, Brive, now linked to Montpellier as well. Joe Kapoku, who was pretty good for Leon against um, Saris at the weekend. That was the Joe Kapoku derby. Um, he's yeah. been linked to Poe. And Kieran Brooks looking to stay in France. He's also looking to move potentially to Perpignan to replace Jolly, who's looking a little bit older these days. So, the Mercato, as it's called over here, never ending, uh, the transfers, still loads going on. And look, these are all top end players as well. This is the difference. It's the cream of the crop that'll make a difference. Um, so yeah, hopefully there'll be some big ones that get announced in the next couple of weeks. The Mercato, is that the merry-go-round? Must be, mate. Transfer merry-go-round. Must be. There'll be more to come in the future weeks, but that was a lot this week. Well done for getting through all them. It was a decent list. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Ali Crossdale for joining us. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can, check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. See you then, mate. Cheers. Bye.